Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is sponsored by BT because BT means business. BT knows that businesses come in many shapes, sizes and guises from the person just starting out at their kitchen table to the biggest employer, which is why no matter what line of work you're in, they've got your back to help you succeed and do what you do best. No doubt connectivity is a must in Westminster and it's certainly helped us to get this episode created and distributed to you listening right now. BT already connects more than 1 million businesses and public sector organisations, offering secure and reliable connectivity. Nearly three quarters of people running a business or side hustle feel they couldn't do so without reliable broadband and mobile connectivity. That's why having connectivity you can count on is a must for business, whether it be facilitating multiple devices being connected at once or making team calls or guest Wi-Fi access for customers. BT's connectivity helps keep you and your customers happy. Whatever your business, BT's got your back. Search BT's got your back. Hello, this is the Red Box Politics Podcast. I'm Matt Chorley, bringing you the best of my Times Radio show Monday to Thursday, a properly silly show today. We know that coronavirus is there in the background, uh, but we don't need to just keep talking about it the whole time. So we talked about moths. We talked about uh, clean air campaign being launched by some Olympians. We talked about loot boxes in games. Uh, I don't know what they were either, but uh, that all that was very interesting. Uh, we also, because of Bake Off being back on the telly, asked for your political cake suggestions, which were absolutely tre- tremendous. I think my favourites were uh, Lemon Drizraeli and pineapple upside Oliver Dowden cake. Um, you can listen back to the whole show on the Times Radio app if uh, if you want to, because that was uh, particularly silly. But just on the issue of coronavirus, uh, some people said that the, the new instructions are too confusing, so we enlisted Dua Lipa's help uh, to make it much more straightforward. We are once again asking office workers who can work from home to do so. Or pubs. They must close at 10 p.m. We will extend the requirement to wear face coverings to include staff in retail, all users of taxis. Yes, we literally played that on Times Radio today. Uh, Anyway, our big thing today, obviously it was a Wednesday. It means it's PMQs. Tim Shipman was back for PMQs Unpacked. Order, order. I call Matt Chorley and Tim Shipman. And here, we are. and here we are, and here we are, and here we are, and here we are. Are we expecting fireworks? Do you well, think? I mean, as Tom was saying, Starmer's got quite a lot he can go on, um, and now that Boris Johnson's drawn his line in the sand, you know, there's something concrete to, uh, to aim his guns at. Um, if the last few weeks are anything to go by, um, it's not entirely clear it will be a, an illuminating experience for anybody, but, um, uh, you know, we'll see how we get on. Uh, how serious are things, do we think, for the Prime Minister? 
all this chatter about you know the Tory MPs being unhappy with what he's doing. Well, look, if we're entering another lockdown, that's obviously a serious moment for for everybody. And I think the Tory MPs are a lot less sanguine than they were in March and April when this stuff was going on before. So uh, an extra front has opened up for, for Boris Johnson. He's got a battle of virus. He's got the scientists to one side arguing something. He's got the Treasury and Rishi Sunak arguing something else from the other end. Uh, and now he's got incoming from his rear. Yeah, it's all. Uh, he's got a lot of trouble from all uh, sides. Uh, we are just uh, waiting for Keir Starmer to uh, pop up in the House of Commons. He's just been uh, Boris Johnson facing questions from uh, some backbench MPs. Uh, Tom Newton Dunn listening in to see if Boris Johnson commits news in response to any of those. But now let's go live to the House of Commons. Uh, overwhelming support yesterday in this House is to continue to drive down that R number whilst keeping businesses open and keeping children, keeping pupils in school. Now comes the Leader of the Opposition, Keir Starmer. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Three months ago today, the Prime Minister said, test and trace can be a real game-changer for us. He was backed up by the Health Secretary, who said, finding where people who test positive are is the single most important thing that we can do to stop the spread of the virus. Yesterday, the Prime Minister said the complete opposite. Standing there, he said testing and tracing has very little or nothing to do with the spread or transmission of the disease. Both positions cannot be right. Which one is it, Prime Minister? Well, Mr Speaker, it is, it is, it is an obvious fact of uh, biology and epidemiology that, alas, uh, this disease is transmitted by human contact or, or aerosol contact, uh, but it is one of the great advantages of uh, of NHS tests and trace, uh, which we did not have working, alas, uh, earlier in the pandemic. It was, we simply didn't have it in the spring. And it is the, the result is uh, that we now have the ability to see in granular detail uh, where the epidemic is breaking out, exactly which groups are being infected. That's why we've been able uh, to deliver the local lockdowns. And that's why we're able to tell now at this stage that it is necessary to take the decisive action that we are, and which, yeah, which I think he supports, or he did yesterday, anyway, uh, to drive the virus down, keep kids in school and keep our economy moving. That's the point, Mr Speaker. OK, let's just pause the action uh, there. It already feels a bit familiar, Tim Shipman. Yeah, I mean, it's constantly Starmer returning to things Boris Johnson has said before and, and, and sort of picking them up. It's, a, it's an interesting device, but... Um, it, it, if it's as illuminating as it's been for the last six weeks, um, the public may not gain a great deal from this session, I suspect. Well, let's see if it gets any better with the Keir Starmer. But do keep questions. listening. <laughs> do keep listening as we try to work out if there are any, either of them the are getting anywhere. The questions get more interesting as they go along, generally. Yeah. Starmer builds up to his sort of point. He sort of hopefully will warm up a bit. Let's go back to the Commons. So why yesterday did the promise to say that testing and tracing had very little or nothing to do with the spread or transmission of the disease? Mr Speaker, I, I, I hesitate, I hesitate to, to reprove the uh, right honourable gentleman for a, a flaw he seems sometimes to fall into is not listening to my previous answer, uh, Mr Speaker. I, gave a very, I very, gave a very, very clear answer. The answer is it is a simply, and sadly, it is an epidemiological fact that transmission of the virus takes place by a human uh, contact from person to person. What test and trace enables us to do is to isolate uh, the cases of the virus in ever greater detail, which we weren't able 
uh, to do before, Mr Speaker. And thanks to the efforts of NHS Test and Trace, many thousands of people, trainees, uh, nurses, doctors, uh, young people, armed, members of the armed services, uh, we now have, we're not only testing more capacity, uh, testing more than any other country in Europe, but capacity today is at a record high. And I think you should pay tribute to their work. It's interesting, uh, Tim Shipman, that um, much like the app, when we were going to get an app and it was going to be world-beating, it was absolutely crucial to the uh, success of Britain's efforts to control the virus. And then when the app doesn't work, oh, well, it's only like a bit of an add-on, it's not that big a thing. Uh, similarly, with the test and trace system, it was going to be wor a world-beating uh, test and trace system. And then when it wasn't up and running, it turns out it's not crucial, actually, to our efforts. Well, I think there's actually not as much of a contradiction here as, uh, as it appears on the face of it. Starmer's sort of saying, can you use the app to you know, test and trace and all this other gear to uh, to stop the spread of the virus. And Johnson's effectively saying we can use that stuff to monitor the spread of the virus and work out where we need to respond. Um, I'm not sure there's as big a contradiction there as, as Keir Starmer thinks there might be. Although I suppose if the test and trace system was working properly and tracing everyone who'd come into contact with someone who's infected, you'd get them into isolation. Yeah, and no, totally. And, and, and clearly Starmer has a point that this system is not as good as it should be. Um, but on the specific point, I think um, uh, Johnson's answer is slightly less disingenuous than some of the ones we've heard in recent <laughs> weeks. These things are all on a scale. Let's go back to the House of Commons. Mr Speaker, I listened to the answer that the Prime Minister gave to the questions. That's why I asked him the question, because yesterday he said the complete opposite of what he said today. Everybody who is in the chamber, everybody in Reeves Hansard <coughs> will see it. And he talks, he talks about testing. Mr Speaker, can I remind the Prime Minister that last week before the Liaison Committee, he admitted testing currently has huge problems. Dido Harding said, we plainly don't have enough testing capacity. The Health Secretary said, fixing testing would take weeks. Pretending there isn't a problem is part of the problem, Prime Minister. It's unclear, and let's test, let's test what the Prime Minister's explanation is. Is it the explanation for the problems? that we haven't got enough capacity. The problem, the pro it says which problem? The problem that he acknowledged one week ago before the Liaison Committee. Mr Speaker, is the explanation from the Prime Minister that we haven't got enough capacity because nobody could have expected the rise in demand? That's the Dido Harding defence. Or is it, we've got all the capacity we need, it's just that people are being unreasonable in asking for tests. That's the Hancock defence. So which is it? Uh, Mr. I must say, I think that the continual attacks by the opposition on, on, Di, on, Dido, on Dido Harding in particular are, 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 unseemly, are unseemly and unjustified. And I think that, she, and I think that her, teams, her teams have done an outstanding job in recruiting people from a standing up. This is not for a moment to deny the, the, uh, to deny the anxiety of those who want tests, which I readily accept, of course, of course, we would love to have uh, much more testing instantly. And, and it is thanks to the efforts of uh, NHS Test and Trace uh, that we are not only at a record high today, uh, testing more people than any other European country, but uh, to get to the point that he raised, Mr Speaker, we're going to go up to 500,000 tests by the end of October. That is, that is the work of Dido Harding and her team. And I think, actually, again, you know, what, what we want to hear, and what I frankly want to hear, is more of the spirit of togetherness that we had yesterday, Mr Speaker. Because, because this is... 
this is an opportunity to support NHS test and trace. This is an opportunity to get behind that scheme, to encourage people to believe in it and its, in its efficacy. Instead, he constantly knocks it from the sidelines, Mr Speaker. Well, the most interesting thing from that is the amount of noise that's coming from the, the Tory backbenches. I mean, there's still a limit on 50 people who can go into the Commons. The, the whips have obviously just done a good They've job of getting... they found the, 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 noisy the proper ones. noisy ones and the, the cattle prods are out, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, they're um, properly uh, sort of trying to heckle down Keir Starmer. Yeah, but this is actually an interesting period over the next few weeks because if, if we do find ourselves in a really difficult position with this virus, it, it does get slightly more difficult for Starmer um, to appear to be sort of knocking everything. Um, and that's the gamble that... Boris Johnson's taking. The gamble Starmer's taking, of course, is that the government are seen to have cocked up so much over the last few months that, that any sense of goodwill will be lost. But that is a it's a it's a fine judgment and it may not be as clear cut as as the leader of the opposition thinks it is. There's also I think the other thing that's interesting, and we were talking about this earlier, is that if you compare what's happening across the UK, actually the rules are pretty similar now. Uh, you know, give or take around the edges, terms and conditions apply. But Boris Johnson's personal reputation has taken such a knock that actually people in England uh, think, oh, this is a total mess, uh, because they think Boris Johnson's the sort of person who would oversee a total mess. Whereas in Scotland, Nicola Sturgeon's riding high, despite actually having the same uh, um, uh, situation. So it, it sort of reached a point now that whatever happens, Keir Starmer can basically niggle and say this is a mess, even if actually things do go, go according to plan. Yeah, I think that's right. But there are also different experiences across different parts of the country. When this virus was new, and it was new for everyone and a bit scary... Um, people were perhaps more inclined to go along with what the government said. And I think now you've got a situation where maybe the experience in rural areas and in city centres and big towns in the north where it's accelerating are very different now. And, and people are looking at what the government's doing. Some people think it's too much. Some people think it's not enough. So you're losing friends uh, at both ends, probably. Yeah, and Keir Starmer's just trying to, to exploit that from all directions. Let's go back to the House of Commons. Well, sorry, sorry, I think the way... I'll just say to the way, there's a little bit of roadiness coming from here... Also from your good self, which I normally never have from you. And we're having a little bit from this side. I want to be able to hear the Prime Minister. When I can't hear the Prime Minister, I do worry about the people who watch in proceedings. If we have further comment, please do so. Speak to me afterwards. Oh, as we were just pointing out, they also, uh, Lindsay Hoyle noticed it was slightly noisier. Someone should tell the Speaker that the people at home are fine because of the microphones. But, uh, um... <laughs> And actually, it, it creates a bit of atmosphere rather than... Well, the, thank the Lord for that. Yeah, I mean, a little bit the of... first time it sounded like a normal PMQs in months. Yeah, OK. Well it, um, it, it, well, it turns out it was an orchestrated whips operation to make a lot of noise. Let's, let's now hear from Keir Starmer. Right. Where are we up to? Keir Starmer. <laughs> Mr Speaker, the Prime Minister knows my complaint is not with the NHS, it's with the government. My wife works for the NHS. My mother worked for the NHS. My sister works for the NHS. So I'm not going to take lectures from the Prime Minister on supporting the NHS. The Prime Minister says we've got capacity, goes on and on about capacity. Let's test that. Three weeks ago, millions of children went back to school. That's a good thing. Then the inevitable happened. Kids get coughs, bugs, flu. That's what happens. It's in the job description. But there's no effective system in place to deal with it. Many can't get tests quickly. Schools are allocated only 10 tests. Many wait days for the results. The outcome is obvious. Child and siblings off school, mum, dad or carer off work, and in some cases all year groups off school. How on earth did we get into this mess? Prime Minister. I'm not quite sure what the, some of my best friends work in the NHS uh, gambit was about there. 
Uh, well, it's a, a time-honoured formulation, isn't it? Um, we can think of other ones. Um, some of my best friends are X, um, which gets you out of jail. I mean, I, uh, yeah, it's uh, it doesn't affect the main thrust of the debate, I don't think. Starmer's back to making another, you know, why didn't you see this coming argument? Um, and Boris Johnson, as we know, tends to deal with the problem that's immediately in front of him um, and then move on to the next problem that's immediately in front of him. And, you know, that is a coherent... Uh, argument that Starmer's been building that there's not enough foresight about this. The, the, again, the thing that um, we've come back to before several times with this is that is what Keir Starmer doing guaranteeing him a place on the new... I mean, obviously, all sensible people listening to Times Radio or they might be watching uh, PMQs live. Most people will find out about this through uh, news bulletins throughout the day. Is he booking, guaranteeing his place on uh, the TV news bulletins tonight when most people might dip into a bit of politics, by just sort of, with this sort of, no, oh, that's not work, is it? Uh, no, he's not, is the short answer. But uh, equally, this evening, he has a broadcast to the nation himself. So, so maybe, he can, maybe it doesn't matter. So probably it doesn't matter today. I mean, but I think more, more generally, Starmer's view is that he needs to build a, an argument that will gradually cut through with the public about what this Prime Minister's like and what this government's like. Um, and I think, you know, the, the, the stances he's taken over the last few months uh, are gradually beginning to build an argument that makes sense to people. Um, but does he win the headlines every time and deliver a knockout blow? Pretty seldom. I mean, he's, you know, he's what we thought he was at the beginning. He's a forensic chap who puddles away and he's not a terribly a sort of stirring orator politician if you like what you're hearing you can listen to the whole of my times radio show either listen back on the times radio app or you can listen live monday to thursday 10 till 1 we'll have more on the episode after this say hello to a new era of mental health care cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support 100 online you'll experience the all-new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk. Well, let's go back and see how Boris Johnson responds. Uh, come on, Mr Speaker. Uh, he, he, he knows perfectly well that... Uh, and he, or he'll have read the uh, advice from the four chief medical officers uh, that there's an exceptionally small risk 
to children of primary and secondary school age from this disease. He knows uh, that children have a significantly less uh, lower rate of, uh, of infection. That's all in the, the letter that they've published uh, today. Uh, but he also, knows, he also knows that we are doing our level best to get every uh, child a test who has symptoms. And further, that thanks to the efforts of uh, teachers in this country, of parents, pupils, 99.9% of our schools are now back. And, 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 and in, spite, in spite of all his attempts, I may say, throughout the summer, to sow doubt on the idea that schools were safe. The, the people of this country had more common sense, Mr Speaker. Yes, Such a poor defence. <laughs> Well, and a little bit of football commentary as well. A little bit of uh, a little bit of a teaser of what's coming uh, in his uh, final question. This this question of schools. I mean, Boris Johnson. I mean, it was, I noted that he said, uh, "Was it ninety nine point nine percent of our schools are back?" Um, actually, some of the uh, I was really, I was just trying to find it. There was a story in one of the papers today about how many uh, pupils were off, and we spoke to a uh, head teacher last week. They're, they're having real problems with staff and pupils when they're told to isolate. They can't get a test. That actually. The, the problems with testing are having a knock-on effect on schools. Yeah, I think what, what's lacking are some clear rules about when people should be sent home and when they should go and get a test. I think there have probably been too many people with snuffles. Um, I know uh, a school that a member of my family works for where they don't send you home. And if you've got a cough, but if you've got a cold as well, they don't send you back because that doesn't look like COVID, whereas some schools are taking a slightly more draconian approach. The other thing I thought was interesting about Johnson there is that he start, started citing the four chief medical officers which is useful for the position he now finds himself in, but it's a dangerous game when we know that the chief medical officers will want to push him further towards lockdown in the weeks ahead. Yes, national comparisons or regional comparisons are available only when uh, it suits your argument. Well, let's, let's pick up... Um, um, <laughs> Keir Starmer wasn't happy with the last response. Let's see what his question is. That's such a poor defence. The, the, chil- the point isn't whether the children have got COVID, it's that they've got COVID symptoms and then they're off school. The government's own department shows that one in eight children are off school this week. That disrupts their education. Whether it's COVID symptoms or other symptoms is, is nothing to the point. If the Prime Minister doesn't see that, he's really out of touch with families and what they're going through in schooling day in, day out in the last few weeks. The reality is losing control of testing is a major reason why the Prime Minister is losing control of this virus. As a result, as a result he's phasing in health measures, restrictions which we do support. But at the same time, he's phasing out economic support. Health measures and economic measures are now dangerously out of sync. Let me quote the Director General of the CBI. There can be no avoiding the crushing blow new measures will bring for thousands of firms. It's vital, she says, that all announcements of restrictions go hand in hand with clarity on the business support to protect jobs. Why wasn't that announced yesterday? Mr Speaker, let's be in absolutely no doubt that the work that this government has done to protect the economy of this country, uh, to support the jobs of 12 million people uh, through the furlough scheme, an overall expenditure of about £160 billion, has been unexampled anywhere else in the world. And I I think you should pay tribute uh, to the Chancellor and and his work. And we will go forward with further creative and imaginative schemes to keep 
our economy moving. And that is the essence, Mr Speaker, of the, of the plan, of the proposals uh, that we... Uh, he, he talks about our... He supported them last night, or he supported them yesterday, uh, Mr Speaker. I hope he continues uh, to support them. The essence of what we're saying, Mr Speaker, is that we want to depress the virus, but keep pupils in school and keep our economy moving. And that is the single best thing we can do to support firms across the country. Keir Starmer throughout that sat on the front bench uh, just with a face of just sort of disappointed father. Um, yes, well, you're out of touch with families, says Starmer. I mean, if Johnson had wanted to play the same card about, you know, members of my... He could have said, well, nobody in politics has more children than I do, Keir, but he, <laughs> he didn't use, choose to use that line. Um, what he did do, though, was sort of hint at further measures coming from the Treasury, um, further creative and imaginative schemes. I'm not sure the Prime Minister even knows what they are yet, but um, uh, expect to see that in the days ahead. Um, the other thing I thought was interesting is there was something resembling a government strategy there, which if Starmer had been trying to uh, work out what the government was trying to do, um, we are apparently seeking to depress the virus and keep the economy moving. That is not eliminate the virus, which is what Nicola Sturgeon appears to be trying to do in Scotland. So actually, amidst all that sort of gentle murmuring, I think that was one of the most substantive answers we've had in a little while. It was interesting, in his, uh, definitely in his comments statement yesterday, Boris Johnson was really sort of trying to do that, make that point about the balance between, uh, you know, you've almost got two dials. You're trying to keep the... How much do you dial down the economy uh, in order to dial uh, down the, the virus? And where are those... You know, where is the balance in that? Um, and it's a difficult judgment to make. Ultimately, it's one that he has to make rather than one that uh, scientists have to make. Uh, and, it, you know, Keir Starmer is in the fortunate position of not having to do that. Let's go back to his final question. Mr Speaker, I'm not asking about the support that was being put in place in the past. We support that. I'm asking about the support that's needed now, particularly in light of the restrictions announced yesterday. Mr Speaker, this is not theoretical. Yesterday, 6,000 jobs were lost at Whitbread, one of the major employers in the hospitality sector. The CBI, the TUC and trade unions, the Federation of Small Businesses, the British Chamber of Commerce, the Governor of the Bank of England, they're all calling on the Prime Minister to stop and rethink. Support the businesses affected. Don't withdraw furlough. We've been saying it for months. When is the Prime Minister finally going to act? Uh, well, Mr Speaker, uh, these are indeed tough times, and I have no doubt that many businesses, many employees are feeling a great deal of anxiety and uncertainty, and we will do our level best uh, to protect them throughout this period. But we will get through this, Mr Speaker, by precisely the methods that we have outlined and that were agreed upon in this House yesterday. And I, I may say, I think that the, uh, the, 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 what the reality of the, of the opposition position has been exposed. The cat's out of the bag, uh, Mr Speaker, because it was his shadow education secretary who said of, of, the, uh, said of the present uh, crisis, she said, don't let a good crisis go to waste. That's, that's the real approach of the Labour Party, Mr Speaker, seeking, seeking to create political opportunity out of a crisis, out of the difficulties and dangers this country is going through, whilst we are taking the tough decisions. The tough decisions to get this virus down, Mr Speaker, to keep our education system going and to keep our economy moving. He supported it yesterday. I hope he will, in a spirit of togetherness and unity, that he will continue to give it his support. Let Bradley. Uh, we should point out that was Kate Green, is the Shadow Education Secretary. This emerged over the weekend as part of Labour's virtual party conference. Uh, she was caught on a video saying that, yeah, the Labour Party shouldn't let a good crisis go to waste. Boris Johnson basically saving that one bit of ammunition. Yes, here's for, my pre-prepared conclusion. Uh, which he does in the last response because Keir Starmer has used up all of his questions and can't come back. 
Yeah, I mean, I've heard plenty of people in Downing Street also say uh, don't let a good crisis go to waste and a lot of their plans for reforming Whitehall and doing lots of other things uh, uh, with the British government um, uh, are also getting a, a sort of injection as a result of uh, a crisis unfolding before them. So it's a pretty common phrase and that won't be regarded as terribly damning by anyone in the village at least. Does it, it does feel like, and I completely understand that the government doesn't want to announce its next economic package until this one has sort of come to an end. We are due a budget in November. It feels like that might end up being possibly earlier if... Because I don't think they're going to be able to wait till November. If schemes are, if schemes are running out at the end of October, it's difficult to see how they can uh, uh, put off uh, the budget till November. But the government's clearly going to do something. It's clearly working on something. But it's letting this narrative get going that they aren't going to do anything. And then when he does do something, Keir Starmer will claim, oh, thank you for doing what we asked you to do. Yeah, though a lot of people around Boris Johnson think the government gets credit for doing whatever it does. Uh, it doesn't really matter if Labour's been demanding if it. Sunak announces it. Yeah, exactly. If Rishi Sunak comes out and says, this is my new plan to save Britain, then um, what Keir Starmer said ten days earlier is not really of great consequence to most people in the country, I suspect, and that, that's not something that troubles Downing Street greatly, I don't think. And there is also the fact that um, Keir Starmer, he can't, he can't support the measures the government's putting in place and then oppose the consequences. That um, you know, the, the, the harsh reality. Well, he can. Is, He's the leader of the opposition. He can. He, he, can. Can, he can be as hypocritical as he likes. To but, be brutally but the, honest. The, if you're supporting the measures, you are as culpable for Whitbread laying off six thousand people. And this goes back to the conversation we were having right at the right at the top of this program. Um, you know, does Keir Starmer at some point take a different view? Does he say? Uh, his internal dialogue. I can't be prime minister without the SNP, um, because that's just the way the electoral arithmetic now works. Um, in this crisis, Nicola Sturgeon's having a better war than Boris Johnson. She's taken a slightly different view, though, as you point out, the measures aren't radically different. <laughs> it's the tone uh, with which they're made and, and the way with that they're received. At some point, does he ally himself with the view that this isn't enough, um, we need to crack down harder, um, save lives, um, and you know, effectively create that sort of uh, soft alliance with the Scottish nationalists, which I think most sort of sophologists would say, is what he's going to need in three years' time to form a government. But then the impact of that is, if he calls for tougher measures, it probably means more job losses and all of that. You mentioned the SNP. Let's go to Ian Blackford, Westminster leader of the SNP. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Last night, the Prime Minister and leaders of the devolved governments announced restrictions aimed at stopping the number of Covid cases reaching a predicted 50,000 a day by mid-October. But there are other major threats that we face this October. There is another set of numbers, and all of this is of the Tory government's own making. One million jobs at risk if furlough ends early. Thirty billion a year bill to the taxpayer from a no-deal Brexit. And today we learn 7,000 trucks queuing for days at Dover. Mr Speaker, if those numbers become a reality, the Prime Minister is leading us into another winter of discontent. Mr Speaker, our First Minister has shown leadership at all fronts during this pandemic. However, the responsibility and powers for extending the furlough scheme lie with the Prime Minister and the Chancellor. The Prime Minister must announce an immediate extension, no half-measures, no half-baked projects, to this vital and life-saving scheme, while the Prime Minister show leadership required and save the jobs. 
Prime Minister. Well, I, I noticed that uh, both uh, the leader of the Scottish Nationalist Party and the leader of the opposition now support an indefinite extension of the, of the furlough scheme. Uh, uh, that's, what, uh, that's, what he, that's what he said, uh, Mr Speaker. Uh, what, we will, what we will do, as I have said throughout, is continue uh, to put our arms around the people of this country going through a very d- a tough time and come up with the, 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 the appropriate creative and imaginative schemes to keep them in work and keep the economy moving. That's the essence of our approach. I should, should point out there that Boris Johnson suggesting that uh, Keir Starmer was calling for an indefinite extension of furlough. Keir Starmer is shaking his head to suggest that that was not what he was asking for. But as you pointed out, he doesn't have another question. So, uh, yeah, so he, he, he all he can do is shake his head. He doesn't really get a say. But, it, but that's, that sort of goes to the problem again. Keir Starmer sort of says, oh, we want a bit more furlough without actually saying whatever it is he wants. So then he can oppose whatever the government announces. Let's hear from Ian Blackford again. That's, that's so poor. Uh, Mr Speaker, <laughs> what we're talking about is protecting the jobs of people today. It's not indefinite and nobody, nobody, Prime Minister, has asked for that. Mr Speaker, the first steps to any recovery is admitting that there is a problem. Even the Governor of the Bank of England is telling the Prime Minister to stop and rethink. The solution for millions of people right now is an extension, an extension, Prime Minister, of the furlough scheme beyond October. The alternative is putting 61,000 jobs in Scotland at risk. Yesterday, the only reassurance the Prime Minister gave those Scottish workers was saying that he would throw his arms around them. Prime Minister, I can tell you the last thing those 61,000 Scots are looking for is a hug from you. They need the security (laughs) of knowing that they can hold on to their jobs and incomes for themselves and their families. Time is running out. Workers are facing the dole today. Will the government instruct the Chancellor to extend the furlough scheme and stop one million workers being sold onto the scrap heap by this government? What I can certainly uh, tell him is that, of course, uh, the furlough scheme has already been extended until the end of October. People should be no doubt about that. And, uh, as I said before, we will continue uh, to provide uh, the best support we can possibly give to keep people, get people, and new jobs are being created, Mr Speaker, get people into work uh, whilst... Uh, suppressing the virus. And I know that uh, he, he may not know, I can imagine that he doesn't want to hug from me, uh, but uh, I could, uh, that was a metaphor, Mr. Speaker. And uh, what we're, perhaps it's, 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 more, it's physically incarnated by the uh, £12.7 billion pounds, uh, of Barnet uh, consequentials that we're seeing uh, come uh, from the UK Exchequer to support people across the whole of our country. Well, that's, that's, uh, somebody said Barnet consequentials there, and in the PMQ's drinking game, it's time to call the it's whole thing off. very much definitely the end. Um, uh, I mean, just the idea of Boris Johnson and Ian Blackford hugging is probably the mental image to end on. Probably. Though, I mean, again, a useful exercise in how good Blackford is at getting his sound bites over. He did a bit of Brexit and he did a bit of furlough and he got winter of discontent and selling people onto the scrap heap in and... You know, uh, given you know two questions, he often achieves rather more than uh, Starmer does with six. That's all we've got time for on this episode of the Red Box podcast. Uh, you can now listen back to my whole show on the Times Radio app, where you can also now listen to all of the Times podcasts, including Red Box too. Make sure you subscribe and review the Red Box podcast wherever you listen. But for now, for me, Matt Chorley, it's goodbye. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. 
For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.